Welcome back to Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel film and TV shows, and also comic books, because we have, we think, a special guest today. Yes, Matthew Rosenberg. Uh, he is currently doing Annihilation Scourge, 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 um, which is very good so far. Uh, he just got off Punisher. Uh, he just did Uncanny X-Men. Um, what else did he do? Star Wars um, Fallen Order Marvel Dark Temple. Okay, there's that. Um, four Kids Walk to a Bank. Walk into a Bank is his, his big indie book. And come January, he is launching um, an ongoing feature featuring Iowa's own Clint Barton. I didn't know that was an ongoing. Like, there's no way they're giving Hawkeye an ongoing. In the comics, is he Iowa's own Clint Barton? He is born in Waterloo, I think. Oh, okay. All right. We'll, we'll get into that with Matthew when the time comes. We have a, we think we have one good question for him. I mean, we have more than one question for him, but we we're, we think we have one good one. So, like Caleb threw one question out, and I was like, I can't come anything up with anything better than that. So, <laughs> I mean, if it, now you have me worried. I, I think, what if they retcon that? <laughs> I mean, that's all we have it's, is Clint for being from all Iowa. We have. There's no one. It's funny. There's oh, no like if else. they change Comic Clint to be like a New Yorker. I mean, when. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is technically kind of a New Yorker, right? Not natively. Um, but, like, when they did the U.S. Avengers, like, Clint Barton was the Iowa Avenger when they did those very Oh, yeah? Who? Because there's no one else. Who is the Rhode Island no Avenger? I don't even know. Uh, good question. That was sweet. I tried. I'm, I'm like, you know what? It'd be cool to uh, get all these covers. And then I got three in, and I'm like, nah, I'm not going to get it's $150 <laughs> worth of crappy comics, yeah. That's some hardcore dedication there. Alright, well... You'll never guess. You're, I don't know why, but you'll never guess. Who uh, is. War Machine, because his name's Rhodey. Nope. Who is it? Nope. nope. Uh, Sir Danny Rand. Iron Fist? The immortal Iron Fist, yeah. It's, why? Iron Fist, Iron Avenger Island? of Rhode Island. I have no idea. The, the Rand family probably owns like one of those was... Newport mansions or something. I guess. That's probably. what I'm like. Did they just try to find the most wasp-like <laughs> person? But I would think that would be Connecticut. Yeah. Well, but... Connecticut Speedball, right? Isn't Speedball from Connecticut? I don't remember. Anyway. Well, I, I was thinking that because Speedball was there. The Civil War, the incident that starts Civil War, happens in Connecticut in the comic books. Right. But um, did you see Taylor Swift told Ellen DeGeneres that Rhode Island's the best place to vacation in the world? Somehow I missed yeah, that. It was a big deal here. Anyway. Wow. Um, so Marvel TV is really, really dead. And I know I feel like we've talked about this a million times, but something. Not dead. It, absorbed under Marvel Studios. It was, yeah, in the same way a corpse is absorbed into it's, the soil. It's, <laughs> it's, it's all very misleading. It's, I don't think anyone still knows what's going on. So let's make clear to the listeners why we're talking about it again. There was news reports this week that a lot of people are getting laid off. And part of that news reporting was that there will be no new properties being developed beyond those that are currently being developed under Marvel TV. Right. 
all new projects will now be developed by right. Marvel Studios. That is accurate, except there was it Variety Deadline. There was at least one of the trades that said Marvel Television was still going to remain a studio, and it was just going to be overseen by Kevin Feige. Um, that was when was that Tuesday night? Um, so it could have changed by now, by now, or or there could have been a, an update or something. I guess I haven't looked back. Um, but one of the trades did report that Marvel TV was going to still be an entity for whatever purpose. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if they're starting Tiger and the Dazzler from the ground up, that's probably. I mean, that's twenty twenty one at the earliest. Has Loeb been officially... Is he officially gone yet? No, he's on the transition team. He's on the transition team. Okay. He's he's on the transition team. I don't know how much transitioning needs there to be. I don't know. And then someone else is staying. I hadn't heard of the guy's name before. It was like an animation guy, though, to help oversee some of those projects, no, I guess, right? No, the animation guy no. got canned. Court Lane got canned. Um, I, I know who you're talking about. I just can't remember his name. It's senior vice president. Yeah. I mean, like, and he's officially being absorbed into Marvel studios, like keeping his job. And one of the reports I saw said part of the reason is because he's been more intently involved in the animation side. And so they wanted him to stay through to help. Not that he's like an animator or production on animation, but that he'll help shepherd, you know, commercially the animated stuff. But it is different because, I mean, we've kind of talked, we thought maybe Marvel TV would still kind of exist as an entity and would be still pitching shows and stuff. But at least most of the trades that seem to suggest no, that like we should not expect anything from quote unquote Marvel TV after Hellstrom and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. hits the screen as far as live action. And can we talk about how Kevin Feige made a comment in all of this about how finally Marvel television and Marvel or Marvel television can be incorporated with the MCU. How did he put it, Adam? Do you have it? For the first time ever, he said for the first time series and movies will cross over or something. Yeah. Yeah. For the first time was, was the wording. Yeah. Yeah. My thoughts on that are not appropriate for the, Right. Caleb does not right, have enough just... bleeping. <laughs> I well, mean, it was the, the the tweets were out there of you know Lady Civ literally showed up in Agents of Shield. You, I mean, Agent Carter had characters that showed up in Endgame. It was had... written by Marcus and McFeely for crying out loud. Right. It like what the bleep balls kevin like it just shows you how much disdain he really had for that and people have kind of soft pedaled and back you know been like well no but really all that he means is that there can be a back and forth like there wasn't before but no i really think kevin feige just had no respect for the tv side at all yeah yeah it shows kevin feige yeah kevin feige can suck a bleep he can (laughs) like we got Rhiannon loose tonight. This would be great. <laughs> I no, um, yeah. I I just that was an infuriating comment, 
because it was so untrue when you look at it. I mean, all yeah, it, it totally just showed that Feige had zero interest in the television side, no matter what he may have spouted at the time. But nothing from the television side was ever going to be referenced in the movies as long as he wasn't in charge of TV. Well, and it's smart on his part because they got the TV buzz from the interconnectedness for a long time without it costing him a thing. And now that he doesn't want it anymore and he doesn't want seven seasons of continuity and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to drag him down, he can just cut it loose and go, no, it was never there. And he can kind of have his cake and eat it, too. Yeah, he can. Yeah. F you, Feige. F you. (laughs) Oh, so that's uh, the first bit of news. As we talk about the Marvel TV news, it's obviously really sad news because a lot of people are losing their jobs and that sucks. And so we try on the show when we talk about people losing their jobs as part of the news, not to like make light of it, like condolences to those people and their families. And I always think it sucks when you fire somebody near the holidays. Maybe that's overly romantic of me, but like. I don't know. I feel like you should always wait till the new year, you know, let people enjoy their Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever and then fire them. But uh, let's go on. We'll keep it moving. CCXP happened over the weekend. I think I got that correct. It's the big Brazilian Comic-Con. And Kevin Feige, uh, Rhiannon's favorite person on Earth, managed to go down (laughs) for uh, a presentation, which is unusual. They usually have some Marvel Studios stuff there, but not usually the big man himself. And uh, they did a variety of things, but a lot of stuff was focused around the Eternals. They showed them some footage, which was very, apparently very raw. We do not, we've not seen any of it on the internet at large, and probably never will because they got to do some more work on it. Uh, we did hear the Deviants are going to be in the movie, and that Druig has been retconned into a Deviant instead of an Eternal. I'm sure the Druig um, fan community is outraged, all two and a half of them. Uh, And Feige also confirmed that the Eternals know who the Avengers are, but the Avengers do not know who the Eternals are. Uh, We didn't actually see much from this, but did you guys have any feelings, any thoughts about the stuff that came out about Eternals? There uh, is a leak. There was a leak that had been circulating, which is pretty spot on with the footage that came out not necessarily plot wise um but certainly um with the characters well i like it did say um kumel uh was going to be who's he playing kingo kingo was now a bollywood star or something and apparently in the footage they showed kingo doing like a dance number on a bollywood set so be weary uh, it seems like it would, I mean, that it is a lot of the stuff, um, almost too, too accurate to not be a leak of some sort. So it's out there. It's not really, like I said, not really plot wise, but, uh, some character stuff that that's interesting. I'll be excited when we get to see something. I think it makes total sense. I said, even before the con happened that Eternals was the property that I figured they would uh, highlight there because it's got a lot of international flavor to it and taking it to a non-US con makes a lot of sense. And so uh, I think it's it's really exciting the more I hear about that movie and I just would like to actually see something from it now. So 
to me, it's the real wild card for Marvel over the next couple of years. The thing that we really don't know what it's going to be. Um, and so, yeah, it could be a really huge deal or it could be uh, a, a relative disappointment, I think, based on how it all comes out. But they're definitely swinging for the fences. So uh, congratulations to all of you lovely people in Brazil that got to see it. I am uh, envious of not being able to see some of those things. Uh, also, there was a little bit of talk about Disney Plus shows. Uh, a first photo of WandaVision was released, which is basically just Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany doing their best I Love Lucy impersonations, which I, I think to some people it's still... I think there are people that heard, oh, it's going to be a sitcom and it's going to start in the 1950s and have a suburban American feel. I think there's people that heard that. And then when they saw an official set photo with them all done up in the hair and makeup, they were like, oh, wow, this really is a 1950s, you know, like, I think that became reality for some people in a a strong way. Uh, We also found out Sparky, the synthetic dog, is apparently going to appear in WandaVision. Um, it, It wasn't a lot of information on either of those things. Anything that you guys thought was fascinating about that photo or Sparky? Sparky. Hell yeah, man. And then Caleb doesn't even like dogs, so that Caleb goes on Twitter and says, enough with the dogs in the MCU. We're I didn't say that at all. Sparky, the MCU needs more cats. That's exactly what you tweeted. I did God's not. Free shots. Mm-hmm. You don't. Yeah. I did not say that at all. Right. What's wrong with I, I know you don't like dogs. I do but... hate dogs, though. That's correct. You hate dogs? I, I, I hate dogs. Like dogs. I I'm hate sorry. Dogs. You hate dogs? I do. Yeah. Yeah. We've been through this. Yeah, he hates uh, them. I, I must have blocked that out so I could remain friends with <laughs> yeah. Caleb. I think we probably have audio like a year and a half ago of you saying, I'm going to block that out so I can remain friends with you. <laughs> probably. So, it works. It's, a, it's, it's great. I yeah. totally forgot about it until I saw Caleb tweet about it. <laughs> but we didn't get a picture. <laughs> that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. We didn't get a picture. No, Kevin said that we would see it, though. Um, what do you say? So th- this is what's weird. He didn't hardly say anything on the actual panel himself. Because itself. he's a jerk? Oh, sorry. But then he had a sit-down, like, one-on-one interview where he just spilled the beans. Yeah. Jerk. I don't know. It's it's interesting. It does seem they're being very secretive about WandaVision. Like, to the point that even stuff that's leaking out, I feel like, is unleaking out at this point. So... It's interesting to see how, how how closely they are guarding the WandaVision secrets. That's all I'll say. Let's talk about... Uh, there's also a little talk about production. Uh, Kevin Feige said that the three 2022 shows... That's not what he called them, but... Uh, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, and She-Hulk should all start production within the next 12 months. Uh, which is confirmation of what we heard. They're moving those faster, but... So what he said was they would be ready for Disney Plus by the end of 2020. So that's completely up to interpretation, right? Why would he say that if they weren't what? I mean, that's his exact words. They'd be ready for Disney Plus by the end of 2020. So people say it's production, but it sounds like release. Well, exactly. What's what's he saying, I guess? He says they would be What's well, ready mean? But what they, if we step back, 
and look at some of the BS that was spewed at us for why the TV shows and movies didn't interact in the past. They had said that the slower schedule. For I TV love bitter shows... This is such a great new feature for the show. <laughs> some of the stuff that they, I mean, what they had always said was the TV show schedule wouldn't allow them to be on the same schedule as the movies. So if they are going to try to have stuff in the TV shows that is overlapping with the movies, they need to do them on this much earlier schedule like you would a movie. So they can't, you know, do the TV shows right up at the time that they're getting ready to come out because they hopefully want to still have a creative team that's going through and developing and having this long creative process. And then the results of that can be incorporated in the movies um, so it makes sense to me that the TV shows will be in the can far earlier and perhaps a good while before we actually see them. Yeah. I'm, I'm just interested. It seems hard to believe with the pace they're going at that, for example, we'll see Miss Marvel after Hawkeye. Like that's been our assumption because they gave us a release date for Hawkeye. But everything that I've seen suggests that Miss Marvel is farther along in the process than Hawkeye is. I mean, they've got people writing it. They've got a production company built up. They've got, uh, you know, Circle K Productions, and it's going to be called Jersey, and, like, uh, as the production title, like, they've got those things going. They're doing casting. I just think it's going to be really interesting that the shape of all this may be different than what we think it is. I think they're going to start splitting some of these other, or fitting some of these other shows into the schedule in between the dates we've already been given. Like what makes these three different is that they, they need to cast the main roles. We don't have a Moon Knight or a She-Hulk or a Miss Marvel yet. Whereas it's almost easier to slot a time for Hawkeye because you base it around Jeremy Renner's calendar, I would assume. Right. Absolutely. It, it, is, it is peculiar that Hawkeye is probably the least or, or the furthest project out, right? I mean, it's judging by, I mean, it comes down to, Let's, I mean, if we want to get into timeline and stuff, I mean, the writers' rooms assembled by now, right? They have showrunners. Um, even if they gave them six months, they gave them a month to write an episode. I mean, it's going to start production next June, you know, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, uh, She Hulk, right? So, what? I don't know. It's just bizarre. It seems like we're going to get a lot of TV in 2021. And let, they wouldn't keep it in the can for a year. Well, I think Miss Marvel's particularly problematic for that because she's a teenage character. So already they've got a limited window in which the actress will feel appropriate for the character as we know her before she ages out. And so I don't think you want to accentuate that by producing stuff and then leaving it on the shelf for a year for your actress to, you know, go from 16 to 17 or whatever. All right, the only other bit of news I have is uh, the Screen Actor Guild nominations came out, and Avengers Endgame was nominated for Outstanding Action by a Stunt Ensemble. That category has been a pretty much a very hot topic, because somehow Joker was also involved, but John Wick was not. As someone who's seen neither John Wick 3 nor Joker, I don't know if that's the right call or not, but I think there's reasons no for anger. No way. No way, man. Nonetheless, no it's way. nice to see uh, Endgame get recognized. I think there's enough stunts in that movie, you know. Well, it wasn't even just like the Joker was nominated. 
The Irishman, yes. Right? That's bizarre. Yes. I mean, I haven't seen that movie, but... um... But if I do, I'm going to watch it on a cell phone, Marty. What do you think? Huh? What do you think about that? (laughs) I guess I can't say anything about it. Like, after all of the rants that I did for what he said about Marvel movies (laughs) without watching them, I can't, like, sit here and be like, I haven't watched The Irishman, but I, you know... Because I haven't heard anything about it. So, I mean, maybe there are some lovely stunt sequences in it. But Joker, even. I mean, I don't feel like anything was out of the ordinary. So, uh, good luck to all of the entrants. And was that all Endgame was nominated for? Well, it's the SAG Awards. Yeah, it's Screen Actors Guild, so. And the Golden Globe nominations came out, too. Yes, and Endgame was. Sorry, is there a visual effects Oscar for Golden Globes? Well, one Golden Globes are not Oscars. Well, yeah, I know, but I was saying, is there a, is there a move? Is there a visual effects? <laughs> but do they have a category for visual effects? Many other um, um, awards are similar categories. I don't know if there's a VFX uh, award for. Uh, I was looking nominees oh their website is way too complicated um oh my gosh joker was uh avengers endgame got none but joker got nominated for best yeah yeah for drama like seriously people it's it's (laughs) there's also no female directors the 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 golden globes i mean we should but we should right but it's been interesting for people who did hope that Robert Downey Jr. might get some some buzz for a supporting actor nom. I've not seen any awards yet that have even got close to recognizing him. So I, I don't think that's going to happen. Golden Globes does have a nominee, Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy for yes. Jojo Rabbit and Knives Out, both of which I highly recommend Absolutely. watching. Absolutely. Um, did you mention that Endgame made the Oscar shortlist? Uh, I did not say that, but that is sure. true. VFX. Mike says we have to prepare ourselves for Joker winning a major award at the Golden Globes. We have to prepare ourselves for Joker winning a major award at the Oscars. There's no way Joaquin doesn't get nominated. I mean, he probably might win The it. best case scenario is that Joaquin Phoenix wins that award, and then Jared Leto pulls a total Kanye West Taylor Swift moment, and just like runs onto the stage and beats him over the head with the Golden Globe and steals it from him. Say, no, the Joker's mine. That would be the only way that the situation redeem itself. That would be awesome. Like, if one of them actually turned into a supervillain over this competition, over the role of Joker, would be the best way for all of this Joker BS to come to an end. Ugh. It would be interesting. Dude, if Phoenix wins, has... I'm sure that there's one that should come to mind immediately. Is there any character that has won somebody multiple, like multiple actors Oscars to play the same role? Cause Ledger won for a Joker. Something like Sherlock Holmes or James Bond isn't high enough. Isn't cinema E enough to get a role like that. That'd be really crazy. If, if the Joker was the first time the same role got two different actors, the same award. That's fascinating. Somebody needs to look into that. Yeah. Adam, prep the headlines. All right, we have Matthew Rosenberg with us. I pronounced that right, correct? Uh, yeah, sounded good to me. Okay. 
Good. I always want to make sure that I'm not like missing something. Uh, like Matthew maybe he has, has the French pronunciation or something, like Rosenberg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I like that. That sounded better. We could do Rosenberg. that. Rosenberg. Rosenberg. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Matthew has smart. had a great year over at Marvel. He has been writing on Uncanny X-Men this year, Punisher. He's done some Star Wars Fallen Order Dark Temple, which I don't know what that is, but I think that's uh, a big deal for Star Wars people. It's Star Wars stuff, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, at the new year here is going to have Hawkeye Freefall coming out and was coming by to talk about that. So let's uh, let's start with that. Tell us a little bit about that new book that's coming out and why you're excited about it. Um, well, it's Hawkeye Freefall. It comes out January 1st, which is a really uh, good and terrible day to have a book come out. Um, right. Because I think everyone is either hungover or uh, just not interested in going out and getting a book. But we're going to do it anyway. Um, and yeah, it's me and Otto Schmidt on art, who is uh, so amazing. He did Green Arrow at DC and is just a, a, a brilliant artist. And I'm very excited for people to see it. But yeah, it's, it's Clint Barton. Um, I love Kate very much, but we uh, uh, she just had two, two series. So we were like, let's put, put the spotlight back on Clint. And yeah, it's Clint up to his normal self of, of being a superhero and letting that get in the way of his personal life and letting his personal feelings get in the way of being a superhero and how he screws it up and how he doesn't screw it up. And uh, yeah, he goes toe to toe with the hood and the hood is very dangerous and he decides he wants to take the hood down and it's sort of someone out of his weight class and he sort of gets in over his head and uh, has to kind of fight his way out of it. And it's, it's, yeah, it's full of action and jokes and people like those things. So uh, yeah, that's the book. Yeah. Yeah. Is this the first time that we've seen Hawkeye in a solo series since Fraction? No. Okay. Um, there's, right, a Jeff, there's a Jeff Lemire Hawkeye run that's right after Fraction, so that's very okay. good. Um, and then there's Kelly Thompson's, but that's actually a Kate story. So it's the second, it's the third Hawkeye book since Fraction, but it's the second about Clint. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things we've talked some about on our podcast is that. Uh, it's almost like there are two Hawkeyes now. You know, we've got this film Hawkeye. Two Clint kinda... Barton Hawkeyes. Exactly. I mean, there's yes. always been the... Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, there's kind of two Clint Bartons. There's the Iowa farmer dad that, like, most of America is used to from the movies. Sure. And then mm-hmm. there's kind of more the comic Hawkeye. Yeah. Is that difficult for you at all as you try to write this character to know that, like, you're going to have a fan from, say, the films that are going to pick up your book and go, wait a minute... Who is it? This isn't Jeremy Renner, you know, like, what's that like for you? Yeah, it's it's always a little, you know, obviously we're hitting a point where, yeah, I mean, people know Chris Evans as Captain America more than they know anyone's drawing of Captain America, which is, as a lifelong comic book nerd, a little heartbreaking, but Chris Evans is super handsome, so I'm, it's also okay. But the, uh, yeah, I mean, Hawkeye to me is, is uh you know, he's one of my comics, like my favorite comics. My first loves in comics is, is Clint. And so I, I, I feel a sort of need to write him as the comic Clint. And that's what we're going to get. And I, I just hope that that movie fans and stuff. And when the TV show comes out, TV fans will pick it up and, uh, and like it, but yeah, it's, it's sort of a different breed of, of Hawkeye. He's not, uh, he doesn't have a little, Hawk and tattoos and that stuff. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, it's always it's always weird because yes, people people know Jeremy Renner, but uh, I think comic fans know Clint well enough, and we just do what we do, and they do what they do, and there's sort of a little bit of separation. Yeah. So you've always been a Clint Barton fan. What yeah. draws you to that character? Is there, I mean, just like yeah. any particular aspect of him? Yeah, you know, I I. Uh... <clears throat> I just made a bunch of videos for comic book stores uh, mm -hmm. to like promote the book. And those are pretty um, terrible to do <laughs> and uh, sure to watch. But uh, I, you know, you, you just sit there and you talk into a, a camera about yourself for two hours saying the same thing over and over. And I went a little crazy and was kind of, kind of weird. And by the end of it and, uh, you know, I kept being like, he's the best Avenger and stuff like that. And all these people online were like, why do you keep saying that? And I was saying it at the time because it's funny. Um, <laughs> but I realized at the end, uh, the the life lesson of all of it is that uh, I actually do in some ways think he is the best Avenger in, in a real simple way, in a real simple sense, because he's the most relatable Avenger. Um, I think he's the best... It, I think in terms of Marvel characters, he's like one of the best Marvel characters to, to view the Marvel universe through because he isn't a super soldier or bit by a radioactive spider or a mutant or a god and doesn't have a billion dollar suit. He's a, a dude who like had a tough childhood and he's deaf and he's, um, you know, and made a lot of mistakes in his past. And he just, he's just very, he has all these sort of human things about him that, that people can relate to. And then he found out that he's really good at one thing, which is archery, and he wants to make up for some of the mistakes of his past and, and do right and help people. And I, I find that very sort of admirable, but also really relatable. Like he was a screw up and, and you know, he's, he's when he runs into battle with Thor and, and the Hulk at his side, like it doesn't mean the same thing for them that it does for him. He's really putting his life on the line in a very serious way. and. And you see it in the books, like he's he's making jokes and he's he's sort of covering for the fact that it's really scary to be Hawkeye. And it's really like uh, he's really putting it all on there. And I think in that way, he's a great lens into the Marvel Universe. But he's also because you can really put yourself in his shoes in a lot of ways. Like you see Clint screw up his relationships a lot in a lot of like dumb ways. And he makes dumb jokes and like gets on people's nerves. And I don't know, it's he's very uh, he's very much after my own heart. In, in how human he is. Um, like I love, I love Steve Rogers, but like, I'm not like Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers is like a totally selfless person who, who always does the right thing. And like Clint is a little selfish and kind of doesn't always do the right thing. And then, and I think that's really great. And, but at the end of the day, he's net positive, a good dude. And that's, that's, yeah, that makes him fun. And he's funny. I like funny people. Um, so story-wise, uh, we haven't seen Clint super, super much since he shot the Hulk through the eye, right? I yeah, mean, is that, still, is that still something that has an impact on yeah, this run? For, for sure. Um, you know, it, it's not front and center. We're not uh, – this isn't about, you know, Bruce and, Bruce and Clint mm -hmm. bonding and making up for it. But, like – the idea of the stuff he has to do and 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 who he is uh really weighs on him and and like um you know he he killed the hulk and uh killed his friend 
and was the guy who his friend went to was like, yeah, if things go bad, like I need you to kill me. And that's a heavy burden um, to have. And I think he's, you know, Clint's always going to be making jokes and sort of wisecracking, but I think the, the book sort of explores a lot of like where he's at now. He's not on the main Avengers team. He's not out saving the world every day. And, and he is like sort of a street level dude who's, who's seen some horrific things and done some rough stuff. I mean, you know, he also died <laughs> and came back right. and, you know, and all that stuff sort of starts to add up. And I think for a guy like Clint, who is trying to be the champion of, of common people and trying to help common people, like figuring out his place in that world as the guy who kills the Hulk and the guy who, you know, kills himself to stop an invasion. Like he's sort of wrestling with all of that. So like on the page, it's not, it's not a story about getting over the Hulk, but it is, you know, very much present in the backbone of the story and the DNA of it, of like what he's been through is weighing on him and, and weighing on him a lot. Like he's very much not mentally in the best headspace. And, uh, and he, he's sort of the last person to notice that. So other people are kind of, you know, he has a girlfriend in the book and he has, uh, there's a lot of guest stars of, you know, sort of friends of his who noticed that, he's making some wrong choices and, and, and taking things too far. And, um, that Hulk, the Hulk stuff is definitely sort of a part of that for sure. One of those friends, does one of those friends happen to be lucky, the pizza dog, or can't you say, uh, I can say that lucky is not in the book. Lucky is, uh, on the West <gasps> coast of Cape. I know. Right. I know. Darn it. Uh, Kelly Thompson, who is a very, very dear friend of mine. I, I called her when I got the book and we were talking about it. And I was like, when she was wrapping up West Coast Avengers, and I said, where's Lucky going? And she was like, well, uh, you know, they share custody. And I said, well, sure. Right. And she said, but Kate's going to stay on the West Coast and like can take him to the beach and he can go swimming in the ocean. Right. And, and Kate will play with him and Clint is going to like, get drunk and forget to feed him. And I was like, right. yeah. I was like, I'm going to leave him in California then uh, for a little bit. He'll come back gotcha. to Glenn for sure, but uh, he's not, uh, there's no lucky for us right here. Man, I am glad so much consideration went into Lucky's health. It, it, what's funny is that I, I think that uh, it, what I just said came off as a joke, but it actually was a very real conversation that we had. That was yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Like, what should we do with Lucky? Like, where should he be? And I, I, I realized partway through that me, me and Kelly were definitely talking about this like it was a real dog that we were very much worried about its welfare. Yeah, it's a drawing of a dog that we're talking about. Yeah. No, no. It does Lucky's make me wonder. Important how much like head canon is actually like official canon just between you guys as writers, you know, oh, like sure, yeah. things that we don't know that you've discussed very thoroughly behind the scenes, you know, that oh, never yeah. make it to the books. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's the funny thing is like the, when I became a Marvel writer, like I'm a lifelong Marvel fan. When I became a Marvel writer, like the realization that the things that I wish would happen, I can just make happen is a very weird, weird and surreal, like, yeah, like this is, I, I remember the, the weirdest thing, uh, this makes me sound very stupid, but we're just gonna tell it anyway. It's a safe um, space. Oh, Can't thank you. Edit it out. Yeah, <laughs> this is just gonna stay between the four of us. Um, right, and we have one live viewer, but yeah. yeah. There you go. Hi, <laughs> hi, live viewer, don't, please don't share this. 
I wrote, I don't even remember what the thing is that I wrote, but I wrote something when I started at Marvel. And then like a year later, nine months later, I was Googling something and I was doing a, a, like a Google search for some information. Like I was like, where is this character and what's this? And I, I ended up reading some characters Wikipedia and it, the Wikipedia referenced my story at the end of it that I'd written. And I, I literally stared at it and I was like, how do they know that? And then I was like, oh wait, that's a real story that really got published. That's how they know that. That's like a <laughs> thing and not just my own weird. But I stared at it and was like, what's happening? How is this possible? And I was like, oh yeah. Um, I actually do have, now that I think about it, there is a very funny and really weird headcanon versus canon story, which is that on Twitter once someone asked me, when I started writing X-Men, someone asked me where X-Man, the X-Man was. And they were like, where's X-Man? And I said, oh, he's uh, actually just backpacking through Europe, sort of discovering himself. Like, he's just really having a nice time, like, traveling. And it was just a joke. And then I really liked the joke and sort of became obsessed with it. And then I went in and pitched what became X-Men Disassembled. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's X-Men comes back and he's been gone. And he's sort of just this, like, kind of hippie Jesus version of himself. Like, he's really found himself. And uh, Marvel editorial was like, oh, was he backpacking around Europe? And I was like, what? And then they pulled up the Wikipedia for X-Men and it was on the Wikipedia that it was like, Potter <laughs> Matt Rosenberg has confirmed that he's backpacking around Europe. And I was like, you know what? That was a joke, but that joke got me thinking about it and I liked yeah. it and then I made it reality. And so it was very weird because my joke sort of became canon against my will, but then I liked it enough that I made it canon. So. Yeah, it's all very, it's all a weird blurred line between what's headcanon and what is real. I'm interested as you talk about some of the uncanny X-Men stuff, um, at least in my mind, I mean, you wrote Wolverine returning after a long absence to a yeah. book with a title of the significance and history of uncanny X-Men. Yeah. Does that feel like heavier than doing like a Hawkeye book or a Punisher book? Like, do you do different projects have different weights on them based on sort of the the popularity and history a character has for you? I mean, it's different. Yes, they all have different sort of weights, and um, I mean, Hawkeye is a is a character that I love and a book with a great pedigree. So that it, Hawkeye is something I'm super proud of, and I feel like has a real weight to it. But X Men is the book I learned to read on. Like it is literally right. my favorite comic of all time and one of my favorite stories and. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that was not a weight based on what the X-Men is. I think it, it matters different for different things. Like the, you know, there's stuff that'll be important to, to you, but not important to anyone else. And you'll care about it and it'll be, and it'll be heavy because of that. But, but X-Men is both important because it's X-Men and Wolverine, but also because it's super important to me. So that was, yes, it was very intense and, and crazy and, um, very heavy to do that. Stuff. Yeah. Um, while we're on that, I, I was interested. I think you wrote up pretty much until Hickman took over with I the X Men stuff. I, pretty I close. wrote until until the week before. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's obviously a big event that there's been a ton of media about this year and kind of really changed the X Men. Sure. What was it like for you? I assume you knew ahead of time that you were going to lead into that. Was that a interesting project to be the guy before a major upheaval like this yeah yeah it's awesome um yeah jonathan 
has been working on X-Men, Age of X, Powers of Ten stuff for super long time. Um, I think it's something, I mean, his brain is, is a marvelous thing. And I think it's, uh, you know, I think he probably has a million different stories that are, are super complex and crazy floating around there at any given time. But, but X-Men is something he's been talking about Marvel for, for a long, long time. So he actually was taking over. I knew, I knew age of X-Men and uh, age of uh, house of X and powers of 10 were coming before we got uncanny X-Men. I was still running astonishing X-Men when they confirmed it. Like I knew he was talking to them and I knew the rumors, but I think while I was still running astonishing X-Men, I think when I was writing astonishing X-Men, like we met with him, me and Kelly Thompson, Ed Brisson and, and other people, other writers. And he walked us through what it was. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's the best pitch I've ever heard for anything. Um, and it was kind of jaw-dropping. And then, you know, they sort of took us aside and were like, you guys are going to take Uncanny up to that point and, and end it. And, you know, our, our sort of marching orders and mine specifically, because uh, Kelly and Ed left the book at issue 10 to go do other things, and I kept going for 15 more issues. Um, the marching orders were like, Jonathan is bringing the X-Men to a new era. He's like, this is the end of an era and he's launching it to taking them to this new bright place. And they're like, you have to end this era and take it someplace very dark so that he can bring it out into the light. And so that, <laughs> right. was, that was sort of my my orders to, to end it and make it dark. And uh, then I turned around and I pitched my thing and I knew what he was doing. So I knew that I could do certain things. It's, it's yeah. sort of an unusual thing in comics because normally kind of the rule is, you know, you take the toys out of the toy box and at the end of your run, you have to put them back so the next person can find right. them and put them. But I didn't have to do that because I knew what he was doing. Like there's, you know, I don't right. want to spoil anything in his books, but there are certain things that allowed me to do kind of crazy, yeah, brutal insane things to to these characters that i wouldn't normally be able to do hmm. um and yeah it, it was a uh, it's sort of an interesting thing I, I remember i talked to i was talking to marvel and i said you know they were like this is the end of an era and they were like you know there's these distinct eras of x-men and i was like and i sort of in my head have my own version of what that means and what the right. distinct eras are but they were like this is the era that started with grant morrison and new x-men and i just remember them saying that to me and i was like oh okay, that's how you see it. It's like the start of New X-Men. And I was thinking about Grant's New X-Men and how he basically starts his book with 8 million mutants dying on Genosha. And I was like, well, he starts with like a near extinction level event for mutants. And, you know, what does that mean? And I mean, it's not the start of his run, but it's early. And, uh, And I was like, well, I'm going to you know, if he started, if this era started with 8 million mutants dying, it's going to end with the X-Men dying. Like that's the end. They're fighting for something and they're going to lose because we're going to see them win in a minute. Like they're going to come back and win in Jonathan's thing. So this is it. This is the the fight that they can't win. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a very unusual sort of set of circumstances. And I obviously knew that Jonathan's thing was going to be huge. He's, he's besides being one of my favorite writers, he's like one of the biggest writers in the world. So, uh, yeah, it was, but it was fun. It was really, uh, I mean, it's very interesting because fan reaction is, is always a strange thing. Like I get when characters die, people take it personally and I understand right. that. 
But at a certain point, I had to start being like, hey, you know that that character's on the cover of a book that like you can look at right now. Like, <laughs> right, right. You know, people being mad when Havoc was killed. I was like, he's literally on a book that comes out, on the cover of a book that comes out next week. Like, do you really think he's, like, he, you're not going to see him for a week, but you wouldn't see him for a week anyway because there's no books that come out between this right. week and next week. <laughs> there's no Saturday <laughs> drops this week. You yeah. Know? So, like, chill out. <laughs> yeah, and he's not in your Saturday webcomic anyway. So you, you have to go six days without havoc like you were going to do no matter what so <laughs> that's funny yeah but yeah i mean it was really it was really fun and it's you know and, uh but now i get to sit back and just be a fan of all the stuff all the x stuff that's happening which is very fun to me as a lifelong x-men fan yeah i mean i know a lot of it anyway and a lot of my really good friends are are writing those books so i sort of hear what's happening regardless and but i i it is i do get to step back a little bit more and be like oh i'm just i'm reading it like a like a normal person and it's nice to be a normal person hawkeye um how far uh, of a story do you have planned out for that uh 640 issues very nice (laughs) that is amazing at what point does he return to iowa uh issue 639 yeah it starts in iowa we don't ever leave iowa um, <laughs> Adam, for the record, Adam is in Iowa. Yes, I'm sitting I'm in, in New York Iowa. City. I, I, he I, is so proud of his Iowan superhero. Look, I, I, I am. I've been to Iowa. It's very nice. I'm also. Uh, I went to a nice bookstore in Iowa City. It was nice. Very nice daydream or not? What's a daydream comics? What's the other uh, one? Yeah, maybe, maybe. It wasn't a cop. I, I, I think I you meant a real bookstore, Adam. You I, know? I meant a bookstore. Oh, a real bookstore. I think I actually did go to Daydream, maybe, now that I think about it. This was a long time ago. This was right. Ago. I was on tour with the band when we went to okay. in Iowa. Um, but yeah, now I'm in New York City, and it's nice. And that's where Hawkeye is, except he's in Brooklyn, and I'm in Manhattan. So... So the the story I pitched, I'm a big fan of things that have endings that that really feel like there something happens and they move and there there's sort of a sense of closure. So I I like pitching something that's short and contained. Um, and so I pitched the the thing that I pitched is six issues to Marvel, and the immediate reaction was like, well, what if it does well? And I said, well, then I would go here and we'd do this and I could keep going. But like the story I want to tell is six issues and I don't want to stretch that out to 12. And I don't, you know, the organic thing is a six issue story. Um, And so that's where we're at right now. Um, We're going to see if we keep going and if people read it and like it, uh, then uh, if people read it and like it, I I have years of Hawkeye stuff I could do and, and would love to do that. But uh, if they read six issues and that's how it does, then that's the story I set out to tell. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with it either way. So we're going to wait and see how January 1st does for me. <laughs> right. our, our one viewer said it would be good hangover reading. So. Well, that's good. I don't drink, so I, I don't ever know what's good hangover reading. There's a lot of text, which doesn't actually seem like good hangover yeah. reading. Um, but it's not, you know... It's not super bright color. Actually, the colors are kind of bright. There's a lot of purple. I don't really know how hangovers work. I don't know. They're headaches. <laughs> They're headaches sometimes with a little bit of nausea. Rihanna so. does have some experience, I believe. So <laughs> well, There you go. I just came straight from my holiday parties. So. All right. Um, well, figure out 
tomorrow what you want to read. What I want to read, and I'll let you know. And, yeah, let me know, and then we'll yeah. tailor the book. I mean, the book's already been printed, so I can't right. really do it. I just want to say, it, it seems a little yeah, late to be making changes. A, yeah, that's not how college works, yeah. I'll try, mm. the, you know, whatever you did. I'll at least, the important part is that people wake up on New Year's Day and want to buy the comic, whether they read it that day or the next ones. Really. Yes, yeah, and actually, uh, we made a special deal with comic book stores that it'll not just be on sale on that one day, they're going to sell it throughout the whole week and yeah. maybe into the next week. So if you are hungover on January 1st or uh, for those, uh, for my straight edge brothers and sisters or yeah. for people who uh, are more responsible drinkers or people who don't go out on New Year's uh, and you just feel like not going to a comic book store on January 1st, uh, go on January 2nd and get Hawkeye. There's yeah. a bunch of other cool books out too, I'm sure. Thor, yeah. Star Wars. I know those books are coming out. Yeah. But buy Hawkeye first. Put it on top of the stack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it was certainly before say, Daredevil, right? Uh, before Daredevil, yeah. Yeah. Before Daredevil. <laughs> oh no! Um, like, trouble. how much of the Marvel retreat stuff is just picking on Chip Zdarsky? You know what's you know what's funny is that Chip is um, super good in the retreat. He's like just a great storyteller with a great sense of story, and he's very. Um, He's very like charitable with his ideas and and like his feedback. He's very thoughtful. Like some some of the writers are, are you know a little bit more like not as good at navigating other people's stuff. Not as good as putting it. You know, there's a sort of like, well, I'd do this, not like, a, well, you know, like there, there's different writers to approach things different ways. So there's this Chip who's there who's very thoughtful and and productive and great and one of the great voices in the room. And then. He'll say something so like crazy or stupid or hilarious that like everything has to stop for like three minutes, and you're like, oh yeah, there's the other chip. Um, but yeah, I mean, like he, he's always whenever anyone has to make a mean joke, uh, it's almost always points at Chip because he is, he's the guy who people make mean jokes about. One of the other Marvel writers who I really love, uh, Zeb Wells, who is was a Spider-Man writer back in the day and has come back and he's doing the Ant-Man book coming up, which is super awesome. Uh, I think Zeb desperately wants me to be the one everybody says mean things to. That seems really important to me. And he introduced me at a party as he was like, oh, he's the Charlie Brown of Marvel Comics. And I was like, what? I am? And he was like, yeah. He's like, you're the one that everybody laughs at. And I was like, I am? And he was like, yeah. He's like, oh, I probably shouldn't have told you that. And I was like, oh, Jesus. Aww. And so, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, if Zeb has his way, I'll, I'll be the, the one that gets kicked around more than Chip. But we'll see. We'll see who's more powerful, hmm. me, me or Zeb or Chip. Chip is more powerful than either of us. Chip is super powerful. Um, but yeah, by Daredevil. I think Daredevil actually does come out January 1st. So buy that book because that book is yeah. super good. And also, um, spoiler, it's possible that a character from that book maybe the main character from that book might end up in Hawkeye. Uh-oh. Look at that. That's a scoop right You just there. got Rhiannon as a definite yeah. reader, I think. Look at that. Yep. That she just bought 20. <laughs> well, he's, he's, not, he's not in the first issue, though. Well, and yeah. we, we should say... I'm a big even, fan of... Yeah, like, even though the book's not out yet, um, definitely, if you're listening to this and you're excited about it, uh, put it on your pull list, right? That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. For the long-term longevity of these books, if you don't know the way the business works, which obviously we don't like you do, but my understanding is putting it on your pull list helps them pre-order it, which really helps you guys know what's going right. to sell, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty simple, actually. Like, pull list, and I, I know this not because I write comics, because they don't teach you anything when you write comics, but I, <laughs> I used to work in a comic book store in New York. Yeah. 
Um, uh, a pull list is like, you know, you never know. Comic shops pay for every book they buy. Um, right. And so you have to be really careful because you don't like, it's like running a restaurant. If you, you can't just be like, I think everyone's really into lobster. I'm going to get 600 lobsters. Like you're going to spend a lot of money and people don't really eat that much lobster. Um, so you sort of have to play it close and sort of guess what people are going to like. And it, you know, it comes out way ahead. And it's so you're guessing months in advance what people are going to be excited about and care about. And it's really hard game of wizardry to figure that out. So a pull list is like a really good indicator that like, oh, someone's actually excited about this book and someone cares. And so, you know, like there's not an actual specific metric or way it helps. But usually, you know, you talk to people who run comic shops and they're like, well, if someone puts on a pull list, it makes me think, oh, I should get a couple more to put out on the shelf. Because if this person is excited, for everyone who has a pull list, they have to assume that there's X number of people who don't, who are going to want to wander in and buy the book. So if five people pre-order a book, it doesn't mean that it just sells five more copies. It could sell 15 more copies or 50 more copies, depending on the store. So that's why it matters to put on your pull list. But if you don't have a pull list, that's okay. You just say, hey, I want to check out Hawkeye. Or you know, or you can just go in and buy it. It's a Marvel book. It's probably going to be on the shelf. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not supposed awesome. to say that. I'm supposed to say pre-order it, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, pre-order it. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. I don't know why I said that. Okay. It's probably not going to pre-order it. It's only on sale January 1st, so you have to be in a comic shop and get it, and you have to pre-order it. Yeah, it's the hardest to get Marvel comic possible. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've got. I have a million of questions for Annihilation Scourge, 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 Scourge. Um, <laughs> That's mainly the where, pronunciation, yeah. Mainly where the Scourge, hell is Scourge, Fire Scourge? Lord? But, where the hell is Fire Lord? That's your question. Yeah, that, oh. that's the only. That's the main question. I oh, had. maybe you should read the issue next week, and you'll find out. Ooh. I suppose I'll have to. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. You sound really upset about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, would, I, I don't know what answer I should have given other than he's going to be in the book. I no, guess I'll have to. No, like, I will. Were, no, were you hoping I was going to say he's dead? Right. Yeah, I don't know what I was he's, hoping. This, he's dead. He's in the is, letters page of one of the issues. I don't know. Yeah, no. He's, <laughs> Fire Lord, uh, you know, I, I can't yeah. 100% confirm it because it's a spoiler, but I can say, um, oh, right. yeah, he's in the issue next week. He's in the last <laughs> Perfect. Adam, that's Adam's deadpan Iowa accent. When we started this podcast, people, right. people are always like, "The show's great, but why is that one guy so like down and depressed all the time?" And we're like, why, why? "No, that's just because I, I am know. down and depressed all the time." What are you talking about? <laughs> why does he hate Fire Lord so much? What's his problem? Oh, man, I can't wait. No, Fire Lord's my favorite man. Fire Lord has like twenty-two pages of just—it's just him talking. I actually don't even remember if he talks. He's in the book, but he may not even speak. So I'm not sure Fire Lord's ever talked, but that's that's cool. yeah. Well, he's in it. They drew, I told right. him to draw him, and he drew him. Drew him. So okay. he looks cool. Right. Okay. Um, I'll fiery yeah. out at him. Okay. He is fiery, yeah. Which is a little weird because uh, the Human Torch is there, and he's a little fiery. Mm -hmm. And there's ah. some there's someone else who's there who's fiery who I can't mention. There might be two other fiery people now that I think about it. There's a lot of people on fire in that issue. I don't know. Okay. Wow. Very nice. Yeah. Well, I had one last question. Um, I thought I was do... getting a lot of questions about Annihilation Scourge, and the question was just, where is Fire Lord? <laughs> that's all <laughs> that. That's okay, it. That's, no. You yeah, sort of set it. it up like there was going to be a lot to that, and then it was just. Well, I thought it was. It, it sounded like a really big question in my head. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. as I was saying it, I'm like, this isn't that big a question. What did I say that for? Yeah. As you can tell, we're really good at this job. I like uh, it. I like it so far. It's been going great. <laughs> uh, so no, one last question I had. Um, I think we have a lot of listeners who are obviously interested because of TV and movie stuff. 
And one of the things that's been in the news is that Kevin Feige is now, I guess, kind of your boss or like totally your boss. He's my boss's 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 boss. But yeah, essentially at some, at some level, he is my boss. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that, are you going to ask me if I'm going to be fire Lord in the movie? Cause yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. That's brilliant. Sounds like another scoop for me. A lot of fans, you know, Twitter is a terrible place. People are like, oh no, I hope it doesn't ruin the comics. I I assume, you know, this is, I figured we give you the chance to tell people that they can calm down, that, you know, like things aren't massively changing over at Marvel. Like uh, you guys still have freedom to do your, your kind of deal. I assume. No, uh, things are massively changing and it's going to ruin the comics. No, it's um, (laughs) the, uh, look, I'm going to tell Twitter to calm down and it's not going to matter at all because I think the people who like being nervous about things actually like being nervous about things and, and I'm not actually helping them by being like, you don't have to worry, but um, all of this is a, a lot above my pay grade. But I will say, um, you know, the the people in charge of Marvel, I think, are doing a great job. I think the books are doing really well. And, you know, in, in a year that has uh, House of X and Powers of Ten, um, War of the Realms, Immortal Hulk, uh, Absolute Carnage, like all these things that are just working really well, no one is eager to come in and break that or mess with it the people in charge uh the i think disney and and the structure has a lot of trust in in the job they're doing and and joe casada and cb sabolsky and tom Brevoort and and all those people are, are just doing a great job of steering the ship so i i yeah i mean like the, the thing i think you're gonna see is is uh and this is again uh, somewhat me speculating is is more streamlined uh flow between uh, things so you're never going to see things where like the comic kind of does something that the movie did but in a different way that doesn't make sense like they'll be we're not going to start telling the movie stories that's not what they want like they 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 love that the comics exist and that they can take the things they love out of the comics and turn them into these movies and like it's it's a structure that makes billion dollar products they have no interest in like reverse engineering it or breaking it or poking it um, there's not a lot of things that make a billion dollar product. And when there is, you're never like, I want to see if it can make a $1.1 billion product. You're like, let's just leave it alone. But I think it's just a, it's just a case of getting, getting everything sort of in order and streamlined. And I think you're going to see Marvel TV and Marvel films sort of connecting a little more, which I think is, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you're going to see that, um, because there's sort of now one structure overseeing them all. And I think that's going to be very cool. Um, you know, I would love to see daredevil and luke cage and punisher and you know the agents of shield show up on in an avengers movie or whatever that's a scoop i know nothing about this stuff but you guys can say that's gonna happen if you want no some website will turn that into yeah we'll I mean, turn that into clickbait i'm sure yeah and i'll i'll get called into an office and they're gonna be like why did you know that was gonna happen you're fired and i'll be like oh okay why that's i was good. fired and i'm like you got me fired and i'm like that's true yeah. um but yeah well, no, when you're I, fired you'll still have friends with us oh we'll, we'll, we'll be here so for much. you thank yeah. you so much no i yeah i think yeah. i think the i think the i don't think anyone associated with marvel anyone who works for the company saw this as a bad thing i think literally everyone was like this is cool this is going to be good now we'll get to go to more movie premieres yeah well <laughs> when it happens sure. the way the way i talked about it was Feige has like the world's biggest, most talented writers room with Marvel yeah. Comics, basically pitching stuff every week for him. 
oh, why yeah. would he not want more of people like you giving him great ideas? You know, oh, so. yeah, 100 percent. I, uh, you know, I, I he has the the greatest library of of fiction, like most marketable library of fiction at his fingertips going back 80 years and a writing staff who is churning out, you know, if you think about it, like, well, most of the movies are based on a story arc that's six issues, right. five issues. Like, they put out 80 books a month, which means that that's, you know, uh, every six months they're getting 80 new potential movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no there's no impetus to sort of break it or poke it too much. I, I, I haven't seen a single thing that's been changed. Nothing has impacted me, and I don't know anyone who has impacted other than you know, this is this is going to be cool and people are excited. So yeah, awesome. There's well, going to be more Fire Lord stuff. I know. Yes. Oh yes. Thank Jesus. Disney Plus Fire Lord series. Yeah, Disney Plus you Fire Lord is on on Friday. That's a scoop. Tune in Friday. Disney <laughs> Plus. We can watch it. They made it's it really fast. It's going to be a sitcom with Chris Pratt. It's going to be called Two and a Half Lords. Oh, yeah. oh I like that. Uh, Hell yeah. That's amazing. I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. dislike that. I don't dislike that at all. Um, yeah. I. Uh, that's weird. I never thought about the Fire Lord, Star Lord thing. That's weird. Like Fire Lord, it sort of makes sense that he's called Fire Lord. He's like a weird herald right. and a god. And then Star Lord, it's like, doesn't make any sense that he's called Star Lord. And that's cool. And Yeah. Well, I like it. The, if they ever brought it in the movies, it would be awesome to have Fire Lord and everyone just speaks of him with reverence. And I can just yes. see Chris Pratt looking around like, wait a minute. I've gotten so much crap for my name, but you yeah. guys are just going to accept this as normal? Yeah, you guys like the Fire Lord, but I'm not cool. I had a thing. I'm going to uh, actually give you a scoop because it's not a real thing. But uh, <laughs> they were there was there was somewhere where I was. I don't remember where I was. I was on some panel and. No, I was I was at a Marvel retreat and we were talking about something and they were like, throw out ideas for books you might want to do. Like just at the end of a day, they were like, is mm -hmm. there anyone who has a thing they want to do? And I uh, was like, yeah, I want to do like a buddy cop team up of like a caveman and a spaceman. And like they have to go on an adventure together, but like they don't kind of understand each other. And I want to do a book called Kazar and Quasar where Kazar and Quasar yes. team up. And everybody in the room laughed. And then I was like, oh, I wasn't joking i actually do want to do that, like, that was a in the room and then i had to just sort of be like yeah it was a good one right guys and sort of just put my head down because I was like, I guess i'm not doing that book that i actually just pitched to all my peers and all my bosses and they just literally just spent two minutes laughing like oh that's so funny and i was like oh. so that was never going to come out because i don't have a way to bring it back up again because when i bring it back up they're going to be like wasn't that a weird joke you made yeah no you just laughed at my attempt to do a book so well, it's kind of like they always uh have you heard the urban legend that the jetsons and the flintstones live on the same planet it's just that the jetsons are above the clouds and the flintstones yes, are below yes. them yeah i i i love that so much there's no crossover right there's no i don't think so there's never a point where they like late where they connect in some way because i thought someone was like well no they go back in time and meet them or something or, yeah. but i don't think that's true yeah hmm and that's great. That's a great one. Well, there's also that thing of like um, the weird connective because you know there's the thing in in what is it? It's it. Well, it's there. There's two things. There's um, Detective Munch from Law and Order. He is the character who's appeared on more TV shows as the same character than any other person because he was on, he came from Homicide. Richard Richard okay. Bell. 
was on okay. Homicide and he was Detective Munch. And then for some reason, even though it's made by different people, he played the same character on Law and Order. And then he was on four different Law and Orders. And then he appeared on like whatever the hospital show was and was on other things. And then all these other shows that had crossovers. And so there's this whole universe based on the fact that this character is connecting all these people. And it's all like, it's the, the Detective Munch universe where it's like you can, you can literally get from like The Simpsons to like Star Trek as like this is one universe <laughs> through this character. It's really crazy. It's like the Munchiverse. That's awesome. A hundred like I'm not doing it justice. It's like 130 TV shows that are all connected through this one character and like all the guest stars of characters appearing on other shows. Oh, that's cool. That's a pretty cool yeah. idea. Yeah. Like uh, I did Google. They did like a little movie, the Jetsons Meet the Flintstones. Oh. And there was time travel involved. Who tried who time traveled? You the Jetsons. You Googled that really fast. That's what I do. <laughs> basically. Well, the Flintstones just like pedaled really, yeah, really, yeah, really like fast. Yeah, yeah, like Fred just like I, ran I his feet like really, really fast the next thing they knew. They I were... mean, it's, you know, it's sort of obvious that the Jetsons did time travel. It's sort of disappointing. I would love it if like I mean, Bar- Barney falls in a tar pit and then ends up in the future. Like, that's great. I didn't um, read yeah. the full Wikipedia entry. But it just said there was time travel involved in I the hope, like three lines I read. I hope the Flintstones Flintstones killed a Jetson when they got there. Like we're just freaked out. <laughs> yeah. One of them. yeah. Does it say that on the Wikipedia? <laughs> I, you know, I'll have to go back and look. <laughs> you can change. No, it'll be a age. fan film though. Now someone will do it. Like hard, right. hard-edged. I mean, obviously, you think they're going to kill Rosie. That was her name, right? Rosie, the robot maid. Yeah. Like obviously, they're going to be freaked out by a robot and kill her. Yeah. But like. You know, what if they killed, what was the, Leroy? Is that his name? That's a name that's coming back. Who would have thought Leroy was going to come back in fashion in 2000 years? That's cool. I hadn't thought about that. Good for Leroy. Um, I think the Flintstones are going to murder Leroy when they meet him. Because he has a baseball cap and they don't know what that is. And so they just kill him and eat him. Do they eat people? Flintstones eat people, right? I, you know, I mean, reading this Wikipedia article, you're right on. This is, yeah. you know, exactly how it goes. Yeah, I assume. I don't yeah. remember the Flintstones very well, but I think they must eat other tribes, right? They ate dinosaurs, didn't they? Yeah, yes. they rode dinosaurs. And I mean, they had a pet dinosaur. Well, they no, rode... but they also they go to the drive-in movie and they put the big dinosaur ribs on the side of the car and it like falls over, right? I thought those were mammoth ribs. Oh, oh. I don't know. I thought those were really big <laughs> ribs. In my mind, the Flintstones eat people. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I also think it could have been people. It could have been a giant person. It's a giant person, yeah. 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 What I love is that our podcast usually devolves into these conversations without a special guest. <laughs> oh, thank you. And the fact that you've just gone there with us is I very feel really amazing. I feel really honored to to be a part of it. Um I you know, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time discussing my theories of the Jetsons also eat people, but we can go into that if you want. <laughs> I think it, it's cyclical, and the Jetsons live in a future where they eat poor people. Because the Jetsons yeah. are very well off. They have a robot made. See, I tried to argue the Jetsons food machine was 3D printing food, and that we're oh, getting yeah. close to that. And these two thought I was crazy. So, we, Which part is that? It seems crazy. We are getting – they are like 3D printing food now. Thank you. Yeah, no, Did I you hear that, that the guys? Thing. They are 3D printing food. I, I literally was talking about this two days ago, that they're 3D printing like – Yeah. Food. No, I knew that was a thing. I, think I didn't think McRibbon it was a thing that I quite yet yeah, wanted, but no, 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 like, well, like the actual, like moral, you know, 
in a sense, like if there's a, a version of meat that doesn't involve killing something, but still tastes like meat, like morally, like I'm in favor of that. Right. But I also like, I can't help but think that that's just like making McRibs and it's gross. So I don't want that. I don't want everything right. to taste like a weird McRib that came out of a printer, but um, yeah, they're doing that. I, but the difference is that's not what the Jetsons food machine is doing. It is just grinding up people and turning them into a paste <laughs> that the Jetsons eat. Okay. But it's grinding people. up people and using it as ink for the 3D printer. Yeah, yeah. It's, mm. it's not using it in a way that we can understand. It's not like <laughs> it's just an extruder that makes it hot and it turns them into a little, like, person soup. It does weird things to a person when it grinds them up. But yeah. at the end of the day, like, you know, that's, that's splitting hairs. It's grinding <laughs> people and turning them into food. That's I desperately Jeff. want Disney now to purchase Hanna-Barbera and create like a Hanna-Barbera Max comic line so that you can <laughs> turn this all into an actual product. I believe that DC, I believe that Warner Brothers owns Hanna-Barbera and those, oh, are, do that. those are DC characters. Oh. There is like the, there's a, there's a Jetson something crossover, right? There was a bunch. There was like, uh, they were funny. There was, a, there was the um, Elmer Fudd Batman that Tom right. King did. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. then uh, Steve Orlando and Frank Barberi did a Martian Manhunter meets Marvin the Martian. I remember that. And I thought that was oh, super funny. Yeah. And then um, there was the one where uh, the Jetsons uh, ate Wonder Woman. That was one of them. <laughs> right. That was, that, was, that was just that truly classic. sad. That yeah. Was... <laughs> Jetsons eat Wonder Woman, and then they stopped making Wonder Woman comics because it was inconsequential, right. and they were like, right. "She got eat one." Yeah, yeah, it was sad. Patty Jenkins is working on the the the, the yeah. treatment yeah. of that right now. You guys are gonna feel so weird if in Wonder Woman 1984 the Jetsons come out and eat her again. <laughs> but I'm <laughs> telling you right now, that's what happens. I don't think I'll be um, the only what? one feeling weird if that happens. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna eat her. All right, thank you so much for your time, Matthew. We won't keep you any longer. Thank we you for thank you for having it. it. I'm yeah. sure that this uh, got people really excited to read Hawkeye, my talk about which cartoon characters eat people. So I'm thank you for Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. I've already texted all my friends and they're like, you got to do this. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Well, thank you guys. Have a good yeah. night. Um, enjoy uh, all the Fire Lord appearances. I'm putting in all my books. Uh, and uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I will uh, see you another time. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Anytime. I'd love to have you. Thanks, man. Thanks. That was. That was awesome. That was fun. I'm very shocked that we were able to go that far afield, and he seemed to still enjoy us going into our weirdness. So I found that storytellers tend to like to tell stories. Yeah. Three Did you guys hear that uh, Fire Lord's going to be in next week's Annihilation comic? <laughs> yes, Adam. We were here. I might have said that. But I definitely know the Jetsons ate under Wonder Woman. <laughs> the Jetsons are cannibals. I kind of want to make that the title of this episode now. I won't, but... <laughs> I just want Why to be not? Like, the Jetsons are cannibals. Marvel the Jetsons Eat Wonder Woman is a pretty good <laughs> podcast title. All right. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. I'm just going to wrap it up here. Um, we didn't get much Twitter or mail this week. We did get one tweet that wasn't very nice, but we don't care. Yeah, because... Let's read it. Can we read it? I want to read it. All I'll say is someone said they love to listen to our podcast because of how little we understand what we're talking about. To which my uh, response is. Hey! Wait till we're here this week. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> hey, guess what, pal? You still listen to our podcast, so we'll take your click right. any way that we can get it. <laughs> I'll add a bless your heart. Bless your heart, yeah. Bless your heart. You know we have to follow this up with Chip, right? Oh. We need... To, uh, if we could get Chip on the show, I Rhiannon would be very happy, I think. I love Chip. I mean, I love Matt, too. Matt was lovely. I called him Matthew because I always want to make sure I'm not, like... 
being too informal. Yeah. He's probably like, man, that guy was a square. I don't know if people call yeah, people yeah. squares anymore, but yeah, what's that? What's it? I don't know. You guys were talking about 3D printing food, and Iowa doesn't even have 3D yet. Everything, <laughs> everything's here is just strictly 2D. <laughs> it's it's 10:30, and it's. I was still trying to get the 2D food. <laughs> right? Exactly. That would be hilarious. You guys keep talking about 3D food. We don't even have 2D food in Iowa. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, I don't know if there'll be an episode next week or not. We might take some weeks off for the holidays. We'll, we'll see. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll uh, follow us on Twitter and we'll let you know what's up. We'll see you.